This is Wheel Bearings episode 288. I'm Sam Abual-Salmon from Guidehouse Insights. Uh, I am Roberto Baldwin from someplace. I don't know. Let's say Ars Technica again. <laughs> All right. And this week, since uh, uh, Nicole is off at Disneyland again, or Disney World again, um, we've got a special guest sitting in with us, uh, my friend Tanya Gazdick. Uh, Tanya, why don't you introduce yourself? Yeah. Hey, I'm I'm actually um, for Media Post. I, I write about automotive marketing, but then I also freelance for Wards Auto. So that's where I get to actually write about the the nuts and bolts and more of the fun stuff. Excellent, um, Robbie. Why don't you go first with what you're driving? All right. So this week I had the Maverick Lariat Tremor. So you take the Maverick. And then you're like, oh, let's just make it fancy. And you know what? Let's make it all-wheel drive. And you know what? Let's just raise it up and put some knobby, you know, some some off-roady tires on it. And you get the Maverick Lariat Tremor. And I got accosted by two different people while driving it around. One of them, I was at the store. And a man just walked up to me and took, 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 took on the window and said, hey, what do you think? And then I gave him the whole spiel about the Maverick. And another person just came to my house. <laughs> Knocked on the door. Well, they the, the they neighbors saw it sitting know. in the driveway and stopped by to ask the drive. The the neighbors know what I do for a living. We tell everybody when we moved here, we made sure to 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 accost our neighbors and say, "Hey, um, I'm, I'm a not drug a drug dealer. 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 I don't. Yeah, yeah there's I that. don't steal cars and and <laughs> you know. A, yeah, I, this is what I do for a living. So somehow it got to this gentleman that that's what I do. Um, I'd never seen him before. Very nice man. Um, and he came up and he asked me about it, and I told him. And my advice to everyone was, it's fine. Get the get the XL uh, hybrid with Steelys, and you'll and you'll be happier. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> because it's the the Maverick is is it's not a you know it's an inexpensive vehicle. So there's always going to be inexpensive parts on it. There's always going to be inexpensive like like, like sort of a cheapish. Now, I don't want to want to say cheap. I'm just going to say inexpensive feel to it. And then throwing a bunch of off-roady stuff on it just seems like by the time you're done, by the time Ford is finished with all this, the price for this vehicle is, let me scroll down, $37,505 for a Maverick Lariat Tremor all-wheel drive. Which at that point, if you're spending nearly forty thousand dollars, you can get a Jeep. Get... <laughs> so there's there's a lot of other vehicles you could get, and the crazy thing is, is that it's not the Tremor package that's the most expensive. It's the Tremor with appearance package. <laughs> so you can get the Tremor package for let me let me find it really quick. Um, oh, it, oh, I accidentally added it. Hold on, let me remove it. So the Tremor with the uh, with the appearance package is four thousand four hundred ninety dollars, so it's forty five hundred bucks. Just the Tremor off road package is three thousand dollars, so you're paying fifteen hundred dollars for some stickers. Which, by the way, along the road, one of the stickers is starting to kind of like it's had some it's 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 seen better days. It's kind of like scraped off a little bit at some point. So you're paying fifteen hundred dollars for stickers that come off. Those so don't are very do that. expensive stickers. Yeah. Yes. So hey, don't don't do that if you're going to do this. Um, that said, you know it's a solid little car, um, but you still, you know, when you when you use the the turn signal, it has a certain little like tink to it <laughs> when you turn off the turn signal, which makes which reminds you that you're like, oh, I'm driving an inexpensive vehicle. Um, 
that I paid $37,000 for. Um, you're driving around the plastic in the car. It's still plastic. It's very well designed to sort of like not feel cheap, but it's still plastic. So you're still driving around. It doesn't around. feel like a Mazda. Yes. And you still you tap, 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 tap. You're like, all right, I'm driving around with like all this plasticky in a $37,000 car. So again, I, I really like the Maverick, especially for what it is. And someone asked me what's my favorite truck. And I said, I think the Maverick's probably the most important truck out in the market right now because it's inexpensive. It's a hybrid. It's literally what people actually want from a truck. Um, 40 miles per gallon. It's all these things. It's, it, you know, and people are all sort of hacking it and, you know, you can 3D print things for it and you can put things in the back and it's, it's, it's this great little utility vehicle and they're like, Hey, let's make it off-roady. And I'm like, ah, just that those, there, there are cars for that. And I understand why Ford did it because they can make a ton of money off a $1,500 sticker package. Um, yeah. At least, you know, $1,490 pure yeah. profit. <laughs> just like those stickers got to cost at least $50. Someone has to put it on. You got to like work all, you know. Yeah, okay. If you, if you factor in the labor and everything. Yeah, labor and everything. But I, yeah, I'm, I'm still a, a big uh, believer in you just get the XL with the hybrid steelies and the uh, spray and bed liner, $500 option. Everything else is who cares? That, that's <laughs> what my next door neighbor has. Yeah, it's, it's just like you drive, like, like driving that, you're like, this is it. This is exactly what I want. These are all the things I want in a truck. Because if you want a fancy truck, there are tons of fancy trucks. I mean, Ford makes the F-150, which is essentially at this point a luxury vehicle with a big, you know, a big uh, basket in the back that you occasionally <laughs> put things in. And, you know, if, you, if you're on horses or you work contracting, then you probably don't get the fancy version. Well, no, you do get the fancy version if you have horses because you have horses and you're doing pretty well. Horses are expensive. Yeah. That's why I learned as a child. Um, that said, it's, you know, it's a it's a fun truck. All wheel drive. We had a lot of rain up here. Didn't have any issues with it slipping. I didn't take it off road because I just didn't care. <laughs> <laughs> because, again, it's, it's, I, I, first of all, it's really difficult to go off road unless you want to go two and a half hours somewhere. Or two hours, or if you're lucky, an hour and a half somewhere to drive something off-road um, here in the Bay Area from where I live. Um, that said, most people most people aren't going to buy this truck, the Lariat all-wheel drive trimmer package, and then go off-roading all the time. They're buying it because it's a little lifted, and it's a little, it's a bit more aggressive looking. But the reality is, just 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 get the XL, just get the Steelys. Just but don't the, you think it's notable that you had people asking you about it? Because I always kind of take note of that when I've got a vehicle that actually gets a lot of attention, either from the neighbors or at the gas station or the the charging station. You know, that to me says like, well, maybe they're doing something right here, even if it costs. Oh, the, the the Maverick itself is what they're what they're what they were there for. They they didn't care about the Lariat package or the Tremor or any of that. It's and that I, I had someone when I just had the regular XL. I had someone uh, follow me on a motorcycle for five miles to Treasure Island to ask me about the vehicle because people they they the, the Maverick itself is what people are interested in. That's what they 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 really want. The fact that it was the Lariat trim. I mean, from the outside, there's like a little sticker and a little thing. But if you know they're driving by, they just see a Maverick, and so it's it's even even with all the the little extra, it's like a little orange tremor. That's it. It's, it's not like it's like, ooh, <laughs> it's, it's not like insanely lifted. It's just like up a little bit. Like 
if most people didn't even know, they're like, oh, I'm like, yeah, this is the Tremor package. They're like, uh. <laughs> I'm like, okay. it's it's the more expensive package. It makes it look more aggressive. It's raised. It's got a little bit better suspension. They're like, oh, so so what do you think? What do you? I'm like, okay. And then I, <laughs> it was it was it was like an afterthought to the fact that it was it was the Tremor package. That's the, and and I know pe people are gonna buy it because you know people, you know, it's tough driving through the Target parking lot. There's a lot of like things you gotta drive over. Um, Sometimes, yeah. Oh no. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, I, I, I'm a huge, huge fan of the uh, of the Maverick. Not so much the the layered trim and, and that that uh, the two liter EcoBoost engine with the eight wheel or eight wheel the eight wheel drive the eight speed <laughs> automatic transmission. Um, it's fine. It's it's a little. I try not to make fun of cars the way they sound because I think I'm like. Mm. Because people are like, oh, it doesn't sound. It's it's not a great sound. Yeah, <laughs> that two liter EcoBoost four cylinder engine does not sound great. Uh, and it, to be to be honest, I had a better experience in, in the hybrid. I hauled things in the hybrid. Never I forgot to put it in haul mode. It was fine. Um, it's front wheel drive, so I didn't have that issue where you know the back of a truck there's nothing. So when you have rear wheel drive, it just slides everywhere mm -hmm. when it when it rains. No issues with that. It's you know it's a unibody vehicle. It's not body on frame. So it's essentially just someone shoved a uh, a truck body on top of a SUV platform, but you know what? That's fine. You yeah. know why? Because it works. It does the thing you want it to do, and that's haul rocks and mulch and. And you know, if you actually want to go off road with a vehicle roughly this size, you're probably better off getting a Bronco Sport. Yeah, because yeah, it, it's got more more off road capability than this thing does than the than the Maverick Tremor does, um, and. You know, it's it's got some it's got some neat features in there that you can't get in a Maverick. So you know, I would I would go with that one. But to you know, to what you said about you know going with the cheap Maverick, yeah, I remember several years ago when they first relaunched the Ranger here in North America. Uh, the first one that I had to drive was a Lariat, uh, and you know the the current gen Ranger. Not I haven't seen the new one uh, up close yet, but the current gen Ranger, um, you know, the interior you know, it's utilitarian, you know, it's, it's not much more, you know, not much higher grade than what you find in the Maverick in terms of hard plastics and everything. Uh, and, you know, that one, and this was like, I don't know, five or six years ago when they launched it. Um, that one was $43,000. And I thought that that was kind of ridiculous that, you know, you'd be better off buying, you know, the mid-level XLT. And usually, you know, the mid-level is kind of the sweet spot in terms of features and, and price point, you know, in the case of the Maverick, I agree. I think actually getting the base XL is, is the, your, your best bet because you get the only thing you can't get in the XL that you might want is cruise control. Um, and actually my neighbor, my next door neighbor who bought one, they got it, you know, and didn't even think about the cruise control until it was delivered. And so they went and got a $300 aftermarket cruise control and had it installed and it works fine. Yeah. So easy peasy. Yeah. Lemon I just can't even imagine a vehicle without cruise control. You know, I, to me, I'm to the point where it's like everything should have adaptive cruise and just basic cruise is just, it should be every, every vehicle. So mm -hmm. I never use basic cruise. I can't, I can't with basic cruise. I don't, yeah. I, I, it's it's adaptive or I just don't use it. I have cruise control on a, a few of our cars. I never use it. I, when I, my first car that had cruise control was my, my Honda Civic. 
and I used it twice and I just never used it again because I'm just you like, clearly oh. don't get speeding tickets because if you get speeding tickets, cruise control can save you because I have a lead foot and I literally have to use cruise control. <laughs> well, I would be going a hundred miles an hour down everywhere. <laughs> no, I seriously, I'm not even kidding. It's not even an understatement and cruise control saves me. <laughs> so, so, so the, the, the $37,000 that tremor price point um you can get a wrangler for starting about thirty two thousand. for a thousand dollars more you can get a gladiator mm. for thirty eight thousand thirty eight thousand for a gladiator versus 37 for the, the maverick yeah definitely it's go more for the gladiator. It's, well it's probably more like fifteen hundred dollars more but yeah so you can just start fresh with this the gladiator ready to go that's that's its jam or you can do the tremor lariat maverick which is you're just throwing things onto an inexpensive vehicle. That's putting know. some really expensive stickers on an inexpensive vehicle. Yeah, and again, I I, I really but the wheels like the do Maverick. look pretty cool though. The wheels do. It has that one orange like little wheel. Yeah. <laughs> so you're just like looking at it, like oh, I guess that's pretty cool, but it's no steelies. <laughs> I have a very utilitarian view on how trucks should work. Like trucks are for truck stuff. They're you know exactly. I know, I know people mulch like, and stuff. You know. They're, they're, yeah, like they get scratched, and they're just like, who cares, truck. And, but that's that's I'm I, that's just that's just me growing up in a small town where everyone had trucks for truck stuff. Yeah. All right. Tanya, what have you been driving? Oh, what haven't I been driving? I, I've got all the Monroneys spread out here in front of me to try to remind <laughs> myself of which one is which. But to um, you know, to 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 kind of piggyback off of what what Robbie said about being being harassed by or not harassed, being being having your neighbors and your I think the word well, he used was accosted. 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 Okay, the, for for they're very nice. I'm always happy to talk to people. People just come up to me and start talking to cars, and I'm just like, this is the best thing ever. And then my wife's texting me, "What the hell's going on? Yeah. You were going to the store. It's been 30 minutes." I'm like, I made a friend. <laughs> I feel like I'm a car salesman sometimes, but then I also feel like I'm I'm also keeping people from buying stuff they shouldn't buy, which, you know, I, I, I never, I never actually hate anything a hundred percent. I can always find something good and something bad, but sometimes the bad is a little bit more than the good. So I can give people an informed, like um, a little scale. I, I, I'm, yeah. pretty, I'm pretty sure yeah. the, the only time anybody has ever asked me about what to buy and I've recommended something and, and then I've been able to steer them away from something was if, if it was like a Mitsubishi Mirage, you know, oh, and yeah. any, any, anything else, you know, they, they usually have already have set in their mind what it is they want. And, you know, they're just looking for reinforcement, but you know, that doesn't mean I won't talk to them for half an hour and answer the questions. Yeah. Do you want to sit in it? Do you want to push the buttons? I'm like, I don't care. They're like, Oh really? I'm like, it's not my car. <laughs> I know. I, well, I, I had that happen. I had the Genesis GV 60 a uh, couple of week, week before last actually. And that was the one I had, I had two different neighbors come over, wanted to talk about it, wanted to sit in it. I, I really, you know, I felt like I should be getting a commission from Genesis because I think I might've sold two vehicles for them. <laughs> but, um, the good, the bad, and the ugly. It's it's an amazing vehicle. The boost button is everything you could ever hope for, and and more. Again, me and my lead foot, not not a good combination. I had to be very. You got to put the little limiter yeah. on, so you're like, ah, I can only do what I do. Yeah, yeah, I need a limiter for sure. But the you know, I think Sam knows this because I've complained about it multiple times. The charging infrastructure in 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 Michigan is still very much lacking. I think you and can just make that charging infrastructure in America. 
Yeah, but it's better in California. I'm sure Robbie has an easier time. Than- yeah, there's like there's there's an EA station in either direction of my house, about two miles each way. <laughs> are they? And, time I, and they're 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 they are. Uh, we have no. They they only do up to 150. The 350 I have to go on the other side of the bay for. Oh, but all right. of them are 350. It used to be like two 350 stations, but now it's like six or eight 350s. So now you go over there and everyone's yeah. But then you, you know you make friends, I guess. We're all yeah. like, ooh, 350. But of course, someone shows up and then their car's charging at like 60 kilowatts while I'm charging like 200. And they're just like, <laughs> they're like, why? And I'm like, oh. yeah, it's so complicated. It's, it's, it's complicated. Very, Sam reasons, could yeah. explain it to him actually in very great detail, but I'm not an engineer, so I don't even attempt to. I just say, I don't know. It is what it is. They charge at different speeds, and and people don't understand that, and people don't understand. It, it kills me how much people still don't understand about level two versus level three. So I was going to East Lansing, which is about a hundred miles from my house. And I told my friend, okay, I need to find a level three charger. And she just sends me a list of all the chargers in East Lansing. And I'm like, uh, no, these, these I, are not level threes. These are all level twos. And all I'm like, seven kilowatts here. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, and I ended up, so I, w- I did, I went to a basketball game and so I was there for three hours, not a single charger in the parking lot of the MSU Breslin Arena, not even a level two that I could have plugged into. So at 1.30 in the morning before I drove back to Detroit, I had to go to a Meyer gas station where there's EV chargers, where they had level threes and sit there for 37 minutes and charge. So I had enough to go back to Detroit. Yeah, that's that's ridiculous. It um, is. Ho- hopefully, hopefully that situation will start to get better in the next year or so, uh, you know, they're starting to distribute some of the money from the uh, National Electric Vehicle Infrastructure Program, the NEVI program. Uh, and that that should start to get better. We'll, we'll start to see more EV charging stations. And, you know, we'll we'll talk later about Tesla. Um, yeah. But, you know, that that should also help as well, I hope. Yeah, I'm excited about being able to charge a non-Tesla at a Tesla, and I'm, I'm, I'll be I'll be happy to talk about that later. So that was that was a week ago, and then this week I've actually got a Torolla, a, a, a Toyota Corolla. Uh, you I know what? I, I like Torolla. I think like I like Torolla. I think I've just created something there—a Toyota Corolla hatchback, which I got in anticipation of I'm going to be going on a drive in a couple of weeks for the new one. So I wanted to be able to sort of compare, have a very fresh frame of reference for, for what they've done to it to, to improve it. And it's, it's actually, you know, it's not a bad vehicle. It's got wireless Apple CarPlay and Apple and Android auto, which I, I'm starting to feel like every vehicle should have wireless, you know, you shouldn't have to, you shouldn't have to plug in your USB to get your Apple CarPlay to work. It just kind of bugs me when you have to do that. Maybe I'm getting spoiled. Is that a sign of getting spoiled? Just, just a little bit, uh, but that's all right. Well, no, I mean, it's not difficult for them to, well, I don't know. Who knows? <laughs> well, that's what I was wondering. I mean, it, it, it does, it does add some cost. It requires, yeah. yeah you to, have to, put, to have, you have the Bluetooth and Wi-Fi in there and you have to have them both running and then it's, yeah. It's, and it, and it also it tends to be new radio you know, less reliable. Well, here's something I was in a, I was in a Kia Sportage hybrid SX prestige all wheel drive auto that does not have wireless apple carplay that, that that whole situation is weird because the hyundais do i don't get because, it uh, no they don't no my my hyundai has wireless apple carplay <laughs> oh uh, oh for uh, for carplay okay yeah. uh yeah for android hyundais auto have, they don't yeah so the hyundais have have wireless but the kias do not which is 
So, so this was a $38,000 vehicle, $38,000 that did not have wireless CarPlay versus my Toyota Corolla or the, what do I call it? The Toyrola is uh 28,000 and it did have wireless Apple CarPlay plus, plus, you know, a lot else, a lot of other things going for it. Uh, fuel economy is not great. It's only 33, um, 30 city, 38 highways. So that's kind of poor. I'm sure the, the new one will be better than that. It's sad because you can't get the Corolla in a high, the Corolla hatchback as a hybrid. You can only get the sedan. Boo. Cause my friend is looking for a hatchback hybrid. I'm like, Ooh, hmm. well, there's a lot of crossovers. He's just like <sighs> to Prius C. I'm like, mm. he's like, eh. <laughs> no, 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 no. You definitely don't want a Prius C. Yeah. Uh, I don't think they even offer that anymore. Yeah. It's probably dead. Well, if you want really bad gas mileage, you can drive what I had last week, which was the Mazda uh, CX-9, which gets 20 city and 26 highway. Just ridiculous. But um, there, I, I, I drove it in anticipation of going on the CX-90 trip in a couple of weeks. And I've, I've already seen the CX-90 and it's 100% better than the CX-9. So, And it's going to have a, a plug-in hybrid available, which is nice. Yeah, that that's going to be interesting to try out. Is the plug-in hybrid version? Um, looking forward to that. Me too. Me too. All right. So, oh, how how much? Uh, let's see. How much was the Corolla? Uh, the Corolla twenty-eight five. And um, and what about the CX nine? Ooh, forty-five six. That's pretty pricey. Well, it's got everything. I mean, that's they, the, that's is that the signature? That's the carbon edition. Oh, all the carbon edition. So you got all the goodies. Yeah, it it was. I mean, it was a nice vehicle. It didn't feel underpowered, but then I saw the gas mileage, and I'm like, oh man, this uh, this is bad. This should not be. You know, yeah. nobody buy that. Twenty. Yeah. By the way, the the Tremor uh, Maverick Lariat, whatever. Uh, got like 20.7 was my average mileage. I'm like, oh, and when you can get 40 from the hybriders, like, <sighs> yeah, well, I mean, you, you jack it up and you put all terrain tires on there and yeah, all wheel drive and the turbo boost and turbo. Yeah. Yeah. All, while all... the, uh, the Genesis GV 60 was, was 97 city, 82 highway. <laughs> yeah. Gotta love it. All right. You find a charger, you know? Well, <laughs> Last week on the rundown, I had on there listed on there to talk about the 2023 Kia Soul GT line. And somehow, as we were going through our conversation, I just completely spaced on it and went straight from what Nicole was driving right into the news stories of the week and didn't even talk about the Kia Soul GT line. Hmm. So I'm going to talk about that one now and also another Kia that I drove right after that. But starting with the, the Soul, um, of of the so-called box cars, you know, cube cars that we've had over the last, you know, 10, 15 years in North America. Juke. Yeah, there's well, no, the, the juke doesn't really count. No, not the juke. It, yeah, what was the other was one? The, the um, other Nissan. The cube. Not the, the Nissan the cube. cube. It's right there in the yeah, name. Yeah. The cube. Yeah. You had the cube, <laughs> you had the Scion XB, and and there was the Soul. You know, it was is those were the three main ones. The Soul was the only one that was ever really kind of fun and engaging to drive and it was also kind of cute you know the the styling and we're on i think the third generation of the soul now uh launched a couple of years ago um 
And uh, this time around, on the previous generation, they did offer an electric version of it. Um, and they do offer an electric version of the Soul overseas. But because of limits on battery supplies that Kia had, they they haven't offered the current gen uh, Soul EV in North America. But they do have the um, the the standard Soul um, in two or three four different trim levels, uh, LX, S, GT Line, and EX. And GT Line is basically just an appearance package uh, on on the Soul. There's, it doesn't really it doesn't add anything functional except for i think you know slightly bigger wheels and tires um but i still like this car a lot um you know the the, the base lx starts at 19,890 uh plus the delivery charge um and the the loaded ex is 24 2 um the the gt line that i had um what came also with uh the gt line technology package which includes things like a 10-way power driver's seat with lumbar support, heated front seats, Harman Kardon audio system, LED lighting all around, um, adaptive cruise control, um, and um, auto emergency braking, and and uh, the highway driving assist feature that uh, is across most Hyundai and Kia models now. So that's basically like Nissan ProPilot. It does lane centering. Um, when we talked to Kelly Funkhauser from Consumer Reports a few weeks ago, you know, I think they actually had the, the Hyundai Kia Highway Driving Assist ranked last. Um, I actually think it works pretty well. Um, you know, it's it's a basic system. There's no driver monitoring. It's a hands-on system. Uh, but even on the Soul, you know, it does a does a pretty good job of keeping the car centered in the in the lane. Doesn't do any ping-ponging back and forth. Um, the uh let's see the soul uh has it's a it's fairly modestly uh powered it's only um i think uh 147 horsepower 132 pounds feet of torque and it has a cvt but it also doesn't weigh that much so you know it it's you know it's not a it's not a gt it's not going to run with that uh, gv60 performance or anything like that but it can get out of its own way. It's fine. It's it's more than adequate for basic transportation, um, and it's you know it's got plenty of room for four adults inside. Um, this you know because of its kind of upright stance, you know seating is comfortable. Um, I used it to pick up my wife and her friend uh, from the airport coming back from a trip. You know there's enough cargo room in the back, you know to, that you could easily stick four standard carry-on bags in the, in the cargo area behind the back seats. Um, so, you know, it's, it's affordable. It's kind of cool and funky looking. There's nothing else, you know, now that the cube and the XB are long gone, you know, it's the only thing quite like it on the road uh, in the U S um, it drives well, you know, even with, you know, just a twist beam rear axle, it's nothing, there's nothing fancy about this thing, but it it works. You know, it, it just, it's just exactly it's, what it's supposed to be. Yeah, and it's it's, it's like just, it's like the Versa that I drove a couple of weeks ago. You know, basic transportation that is relatively affordable and works. That technology package is adds twenty four hundred bucks to it. So all in, it came to twenty seven thousand two hundred and fifteen dollars. Wow, um, and, a good deal. 
Yeah. Um, and that includes the destination charge. Uh, Tanya, you don't know this, but we usually uh, do a little guessing game on the destination charges. Oh, um, okay. So would you like to take the first guess at what the destination was? Oh, God, I have no idea. $900. Robbie? $1. I'm going to say $1. <laughs> Tanya won it this time. It was thirteen twenty-five. So uh, we go by it's, price is right rules here. Yeah, so it's price is right. Go over, rule. you lose. Um, so yeah, it was thir- thirteen twenty-five, uh, which is which is not bad. You know, it's it's not it's not as crazy. I, I'm guessing that that uh, uh, that Maverick was what probably about sixteen seventeen hundred dollars for delivery. Oh, I think I closed it. I'm sorry. Hold. That's all right. Seconds. I know. I know Ford is yeah, charging somewhere around that for a lot of their vehicles yeah. now, which is getting pretty ridiculous. I um so I broke my leg five or six years ago as my I, I'm sorry I broke my ankle my left ankle it's like the only car we owned was our BRZ so I couldn't drive the BRZ and so in order to get around town which is when I still lived in in San Francisco um I had to hobble my way down to like a car share system and one day it's like the only one that was available was the Soul and I was like ugh. And I went down, I got in the soul, and within two minutes, I loved that car. Yeah. <laughs> two minutes, I'm like, this is exactly what this car should be. I was like, and then I just trying to get that soul every time I needed a car to drive around to do stuff in the city. <laughs> I was like, I got to get that soul. And then a few years later, I went to Korea and I drove this generation soul EV. And they're like, we're bringing it to America. And I'm like, this thing is awesome. And I remember, I think Tim Stevens was asking me about it because his wife had a soul EV and she wanted to upgrade. And they were like, they're, they're, her lease was coming up, and I was just like, "Yeah, this thing's great." And then they're like, "Ah, we're like, we can't make enough batteries." They're like, "Ah, so I'm I'm sad that the Soul EV never came to the United States. Uh, so the Soul's still a great car. Uh, by the way, the uh, do you guys want to guess the Larry uh, the, the 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 Maverick Lariat Tremor all-wheel drive uh, destination fees? I'll I'll, I'll guess sixteen. Uh, I'll guess twelve hundred. Fourteen ninety-five. Ooh. Tiny yeah, one not... twice. All right. <laughs> Double win. <laughs> All right. You, you now get to go to, to Sam's house and take anything you want out of his uh, <laughs> out of his living room. Yeah. <laughs> That's how it works. It's you, weird. You can, come, you can come take the Hummer away. <laughs> yeah, you can go take the Hummer. <laughs> Did you know you can support Wheel Bearings directly? Head to patreon.com slash wheelbearingsmedia and you can become a patron today. Your contributions will help fund the platforms and tools we use to bring the podcast to you. And exclusives and improvements are already on the way thanks to your generosity. So if you want to be part of an automotive podcast like no other, head to patreon.com slash wheelbearingsmedia. All right. So um, when the uh, when the Soul went away, uh, we swapped it for another Kia uh, that's not, not too far off in size, slightly bigger than the, than the Soul. Uh, and that is the new 2023 Nero plug-in hybrid. Um, and so, you know, the... I was I was quite a fan of the first generation Nero plug-in or the actually the Nero in general, you know, because it, it was quite an affordable, very efficient little car. All the variants that when they when they originally launched the first generation Ionic and the Nero back in uh, what 2016 or 17, something like that. It was the first vehicle platform that Hyundai Motor Group had done that was intended to be all electrified. All all the variants were electrified. So they had a hybrid, a plug-in hybrid, and a battery electric for each of the Ionic and the the Nero. Um, but the Ionic had electric had a very small battery, 
it was only um, what I think twenty seven kilowatt hours had about a or thirty about thirty kilowatt hours had about one hundred and twenty seven mile range initially. They later made it a little bigger, um, and the Nero had the same battery and motor package that's in the Kona EV that you have, Robbie. So it was like 200 horsepower, 65 kilowatt hour battery, 240 miles or so, I think, range. Uh, and then in between, they had the uh, the plug-in hybrid. And they they still have those three variants of the new Nero. Um, they have the plug-in hybrid, the battery electric, and, and the hybrid. Um, and the hybrid is, you know, a great option if you're, you know, looking for something crossover-ish, you know, that is very fuel efficient, um, you know, reasonably sized. Um, and then the plug-in hybrid, if, you know, if you have a place where you can plug it in um, overnight and, and charge it every day is a great additional option on top of that. Um, if you don't have someplace to plug in uh, a vehicle on a daily basis, don't buy this car. But just get the regular hybrid because you'll get like yeah. 50 miles per gallon and you'll you'll be happy as a clam um, and it's cheaper. But if you if you do have someplace to plug in, the Nero plug in hybrid is a great option. Um, and I'm actually going to be driving the EV next week when I'm in California. Uh, but the um, the plug in hybrid has about 34 miles of electric range and the battery is only I think just over 11 kilowatts. I think it's 11.1 kilowatt hours. Um, so it's, it's a fairly modestly sized battery, but this thing is very efficient. So, you know, on my range test, I actually got um, about 36 miles of electric range before the engine came on. Uh, and that's in mixed driving, uh, a little bit of highway, some suburban, um, like suburban highway, you know, um, like 55 mile an hour, roads uh some uh urban uh just a, a general mix it's the same loop i use all the time and i got 36 miles of electric range before before the battery ran out very impressive um and it's got more than enough electric power you know it's about uh it's about 63 i think 64 kilowatts electric motor so about uh you know almost 90 horsepower electric motor which is more than adequate for most driving so you can charge this thing up every night you'll have enough electric range even in winter weather and cold weather to be able to drive do for almost everybody to do their their daily driving because 80 percent of daily driving is less than 40 miles so most people are going to be able to do pretty much all of their driving without using any gas or very little gas um, and so this is really a fantastic option the the base EX, the Nero plug-in hybrid EX, starts at uh, $33,840. I had the SX Touring, which starts at $39,590. Um, and I had the the version uh, that is in mineral blue with the black arrow blades. And this is kind of a controversial setup. Um, so uh oh, yeah it's got the black like sort of uh on the side of it the yeah so it's kind of like you know kind of uh the c pillar area yeah is a is a piece of black plastic that they call the arrow blade it's kind of like the the, the the first generation audi r8 um but but different um <laughs> it's not quite like an r8 but you know you, you get the idea so you got this black 
swath of plastic that covers the C-pillar between the taillights and the back of the rear doors. Uh, and then a big piece of black cladding across the bottom of the doors as well. Um, all the other color combinations are, it's all just one color for the, the, the plastic and the steel. But this one has the, the two-tone look, which came from the back, what, I think it was like 2019 or 20. No, it, was, it had to be 2019 New York Auto Show. Kia showed a concept there called the Habanero. Um, which was kind of a oh, yeah. preview of the design Gosh. direction for the new Nero. You know, this one is not quite as wild looking, but that Habanero concept had this arrow blade uh, thing in there. Um, and uh, so it's available on here. It's, um, you can pay for it. It's an extra. Yeah, it's, there's, it's, a, there's a line charge for it. Yeah. Um, and I'm trying to find it's uh, $195 uh, <laughs> extra to get that. Um, like I said, I don't mind it. I don't mind the way it looks. I think it, you know, it's kind of funky. It looks, you know, gives makes it a little more distinct, a little more unique. My wife hated it. It's um, polarizing. It's it very is. polarizing. You either, yeah. I, I really think you either like it or you hate it. Right. Um, and uh, so I, I didn't mind it. Um, but uh, let's see. Uh, Pay $195 also, for it though. Yeah. Um, you can also get the SX Touring Cold Weather Package. Uh, which adds a, uh, a heat pump and um, heated outboard rear seats. Um, and uh, that, you know, that, that can help uh, in cold weather. Um, but all in, you know, this one came to $41,110, um, which with when the old Nero plug-in hybrid was available with that one, because uh, this that was before the uh, Inflation Reduction Act came into effect and the new version of the clean vehicle credits. And so you could get uh, a hefty, I think it was about a $4,000 federal tax credit on that. Unfortunately, because the, the Nero is built in South Korea rather than in North America, under the new rules, you can't get any tax credit on that. You so you're going to be you're going to be all in on the, the $41,000. Um, so. You know, if you're interested in in this, you know, if you're interested in something that is not quite fully electric, but can do most of your driving electrically, um, and you're willing to spend forty grand on it, this is not a bad deal. Um, you know, if uh, if your lifestyle is such that you feel like you're comfortable going fully electric, you can also get the Nero EV for about the same price, um, yeah. and that might actually be a better option. Uh, for a lot of people, because then, you know, as long as you have somewhere to charge, because the thing, the thing about the Nero EV is it doesn't use the eGMP platform that's in the GV60 and the EV, EV6 and the Ionic 5. So it doesn't have the 800 volt architecture and it only charges at, I think, 75 kilowatts. 85 uh, kilowatts now. It, uh, 85. They bumped it up yeah, a little bit. Yeah, they bumped yeah. it up. Uh, um, home home charges is 11 kilowatts now, too. Yeah. So, you know, if you can charge at home great i mean it'll, it'll easily charge do a full charge overnight and most days you're not going to do a full charge anyway um and then uh, but if you're uh you know if you're going to be doing road trips um you know it's going to take you a little longer to charge um at dc fast chargers than it will with an ev6 but the ev6 is also more expensive yeah. um so you know it, this is kind of the the nero is kind of the in-betweener now um, but you know, I still think the, the Nero is, is a great car. I really like it. Um, and I would 
definitely recommend it, especially you know if you're going to go with the plug-in, I would probably go with the EX instead of the uh, the SX Touring because uh, I think I think that's um, it's a better value at you know starting at just under thirty four thousand dollars. But no rebate on on either the plug-in no. or the four. No, you, so no. that's get nothing. Yep, that's a problem. Gonna, that's a gonna, big problem. Yeah, you're gonna yeah. pay. You're gonna pay the full amount on on either one of these. Um, the, uh, so when I had the Nero EV, when I did the range test, it's it the EPA range is two fifty three. I got two seventy. Yeah, yeah. No, so yeah, it's just that's just yeah. I mean, and that's just know, typical Ki- Kia. That's just typical Hyundai Group, though. They're like, yeah, it's yeah. this, and you drive it around, and it's more. Yeah, yeah they're yeah, they're, cool. they're they're fairly conservative on their pricing or on on their their range testing. Uh, so you will almost always certainly get at least what the EPA label value is and usually more. Yeah. Um, yeah. And you well, know, something, something. the, you know, the Nero hybrid, the, the base Nero hybrid starts at, you know, 26,590. Um, and that's actually a really great value, you know, 20, you know, under $30,000 for a hybrid crossover. It gets, you know, 50 miles per gallon. Um, that's actually probably, that, that's certainly your best value. And for most people, especially without the tax credit is probably the preferred one to get. Yeah. All right. Uh, Let's get into a few news items of the week. Um, This week, um, Volkswagen introduced a mid-cycle refresh for the ID3. Um, And I'm guessing that at some point, you know, we'll see some of the features that they've added on here um, coming to the ID4 and, and other uh, upcoming models as well. But um, what do you think of this, the, the change, the design change to the ID3? It looks a bit more like a golf, which is always a good thing, to be honest. Um, yeah, they've gotten rid of some of that, that hexagon grill thing that they had in the, that they've had on all their EVs, on all their ID vehicles, uh, the concepts and the production models so far. I think they're just doing what what Chevy did with the Bolt, where originally it was like, look at Space Age, it's from the future, and then they pulled back a little bit because they're like, oh, people don't really care about Space Age in the future; they just want a an expensive EV. Yeah, <laughs> they're like, yeah, I don't, I don't need that. I just, I just, I, I just want a regular car. That's 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 an electric car, and I can drive around and get to work and and you know run to the store and pick up my kids from whatever sport they're doing or band or drama. Or, Whatever child, whatever children do, I'm assuming there's classes for Fallout now. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, and yeah, I mean they've also done apparently done some upgrades to the interior, new materials because that was I think one of the complaints with the ID3 and the ID4 is some of the stuff yeah. maybe felt a little cheap. Um, they're keeping so, the eco friendly. I mean they're keeping yeah. the you know vegan leather and and the recycled stuff, which I think is very cool. Yeah. So. Um, and then they've, they've upgraded the infotainment system, although it still has the uh, the strip of touch controls on a little shelf at the bottom of the screen. So if you Did backlit, um, that's a Did, good I question. If it's not backlit, they've come on, guys. Come on. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm looking through. I don't see anything about it being backlit. It's just no. in the car and I'm like, I'm trying to turn the music up and down. Nope. No, nope, I'm just turning up the heat because I can't see <laughs> the buttons at night. Yeah. It doesn't, it doesn't say anything about that. Um, although in the, the picture here, 
It it actually looks I'm like all, it might be. I'm all zooming in. It's like and enlarge and enhance. Yeah. But uh, you know, they, they do have they did they did recently launch a, an all new version of software for all the ID vehicles. Um, which when I talked to um Thomas Schaefer, the head of VW at CES, you know, he said that prior to that update, you know, they were having a lot of issues trying to do their OTA updates or over the air updates. And they they found a bunch of problems and they fixed that. And so there was a major software update that they did that actually required customers to bring the car into the dealer um, oh, or, yeah. or to, to, you could also download it onto a USB drive and do it that way. If you want to do it at home. Um, and once they did that software update, it fixed all their issues with doing OTAs. So now they're, now their OTAs work properly. Um, so hopefully we'll see a little higher frequency of software updates on all of the, uh, the, the latest generation VWs going forward. When I drove the ID buzz, the infotainment system was just, just worked better. Just period. Yeah. Just worked. <laughs> You're like, Oh, Hey, when I hit buttons, I don't have to wait two seconds for something to happen. I was like, Oh yeah, this works. That's always yeah. Pleasant. yeah. So that was nice because we're still, we're still like, when's the ID buzz? When's the, when, 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 when can we pre-order an ID buzz? So we can put our dogs. In. <laughs> uh, all right. Um, well, let's stick with VW um, because um, they announced this week that um, the plant, the factory for the revival of Scout uh, is going to be there, there. There's been speculation that they might work with uh, a contract manufacturer like uh, Magna uh, to build the Scout vehicles. Um in North America. And turns out that's not going to be the case. Uh, instead, VW has opted to build an all new factory in South Carolina dedicated to Scout. Uh, it'll be, it's going to cost $2 billion, uh, have a production capacity of about 200,000 vehicles a year. Um, and, um, and since those vehicles will be built in North Carolina and get batteries, um, from SK in, uh, in Georgia, uh, they will be able to uh, get tax credits. Um, so Scout's coming back in 2026, um, and uh, they're going to be domestically built. What do you think? People are cool. going to buy that truck. I mean, I whenever I post a picture of it, people go crazy. It's going to be so popular. And if you yeah. can get the tax credit, that's going to be huge. Yeah, I don't, I don't think they would have been able to keep up with Magna. Magna's great for, like, you know, well, they do they do the Supra and they do the G Wagon. Those are low yield cars. Two hundred thousand EV sounds exactly how many cars this 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 subsidiary should be building every year because they want to be able to keep up with demand. But they're not going to sell you know a million of these um, out the gate. But two hundred thousand that's a that's a good number, and I think that's that's a smart move for them. Plus, so you know. Tax credits, which means they're <laughs> going to sell more, which means people would be happy. Plus, it's built in America, so now you have jobs, and you're getting batteries from America, which means more jobs from the SK plant. It's you know everyone. It's sort of a good job, everybody. Well, I love but, how it got announced. It was this. It was the South Carolina governor who actually tweeted about it before there were any formal press releases, and you know he was he's all excited about the jobs. Of course, I mean that's that's huge for their economy. Yeah, well, same thing happened in uh, in Mexico. Earlier this week, the uh, governor of uh, Monterey, or maybe it was the president of Mexico, announced that uh, Tesla's new factory is going to be built yeah. in Monterey, Mexico. 
um, a, a day before sure. Tesla had their investor day. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but um, so question, which who do you think is going to get to 200,000 EV production in North America first? Rivian or Scout? Oh, Scout. Scout, for sure. They just have the, they have all the money behind them. I mean, Rivian should be building 200,000, 200,000, but that's. It's just such a hard, like Lucid and Rivian, like built two great cars at the worst possible time. Yeah. <laughs> they just, they're just like constantly just like, oh my God, where's, you know, you have the, you have the Volkswagen group behind you. It's, you're just like, okay, yeah, we're, we're, we're going to be fine. You know, Scott, sort of. I mean, they're, they're behind them, but you know, you guys know Scott Keogh, the, the head of mm-hmm. Scott. He had to like give up his pension with VW and stuff. It's like they kind of are a separate group. Yeah, it's a completely separate business unit. Now, you know, it's it's one hundred percent owned by Volkswagen Group, but it's a separate company. And yeah, it, it's like Polestar. It's yeah, like Polestar is like they always have. You know, they're always going to be tied to 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 the uh, Volvo to Volvo. And if Polestar yeah. falls apart, even if Volvo had nothing to do with it, it's going to look bad on Volvo. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, and and in this case, you know, it's a separate company, but so is Audi. You know, that doesn't mean that they're not going to use a lot of the same components and technology. I mean, they're, you know, they're going to get, um, they're going to get all of this stuff from Volkswagen yeah. Group. Uh, you so- know, they're going to have just a rebadged MMI, like like Lamborghini does in the Urus. They're going to have a rebadged, yeah. you know, this. They're going to have, you know, a lot of the technology that's in all those other Vol- or Volkswagens is going to get shoved into the Scout. Is that physical buttons? Like knobs and buttons. I was very happy to hear about the physical, actual things you can touch in the car. Well, that'll be good, especially you know on an off-road vehicle. Yeah, because I think bouncing around trying to hit. A... Yeah, I mean that that's one of the problems with the uh, with the Rivian. You know, is they Rivian kind of went the direction of Tesla, where it's all touch controls. Everything's in the uh, uh, in the touchscreen, and you know, trying to find the stuff in that interface and hit those targets. You know, if you're if you're off-roading is difficult oh, you're just bouncing never mind all off-roading there. just driving you know yeah. just... physical buttons people bring yep. them back more, <laughs> more physical buttons well at least some you know i mean cadillac lyric with the having to go into the screen to open the glove box it's like that's, oh, that's just that's stupid and no. like you know come on there needs to be a button for the glove box that's really settle. not that hard yeah. settle down people <laughs> that, 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 yeah that and also fancy charge port doors don't just regular door just like you have your gas car don't make don't uh, no i don't want any no just well and they need to stand or push it it pops open that's it the end (laughs) they really you know this isn't going to happen for a million years but they need to standardize where they are at least you know with with ice vehicles it's on one side or the other in the back you know and it's pretty you know it's going to be in the back the tesla we're going to get to talking about tesla it's like it, it's not standardized at all in the non-Teslas, and that's going to create some havoc at the charging stations. Yeah, well, why don't why don't we dive right into that? Because um, you know they they confirmed this week um, they uh, right after the uh, Tesla Investor Day on Tuesday or when Wednesday they officially opened up the first batch of supercharger stations that are compatible with non-Tesla vehicles. Um, and there's a couple of different videos that are out there now. Uh, Tom Malagny from State of Charge did one. Marquez Brownlee uh, from MKBHD did one. Um, it, you know, they they in fact they they both ended up at the same supercharger station somewhere in New York State. 
upstate uh, at the York. same time. At the same uh, time? Mar yeah, Marquez yeah. got there first <laughs> while he was charging a Rivian. Uh, Tom showed up with a Lightning uh, to use them. And so what Tesla has done in, in Europe, when, you know, in Europe, Tesla is doesn't actually use their proprietary connector. They have to use the CCS type two connector. That's mandatory for all automakers in Europe. So they, everybody uses the same one. So superchargers in Europe already have the, um, uh, the, uh, the, the CCS type two connectors on them. So it was just a matter of doing a software update to enable non-Tesla vehicles to be able to use the superchargers. Here in the US, because Tesla, this is the last market where Tesla still uses their proprietary connector. Um, and you know, in China, they also have to use the standard connector in China. Here we've got CCS and, and a handful of Chatamos and, uh, and the, uh, the, super, uh, the Tesla connector. So what they came up with was something they call the magic dock. So, you know, when you go to a supercharger, the way it's designed, you know, it's got this big hole in the middle of the pedestal and the charge cable, you know, loops up and it, it, you dock it in, on the inside of that hole there. Now they've changed that dock. So there's an extra piece on there, which is a, C, a Tesla to CCS adapter. So when you pull up to the charger and you use the Tesla app, and you select, you know, charging a non-Tesla vehicle um, and select the charger that you're using. When you go to pull the cable off, the connector is already attached to the cable. So you don't have to futz around with a connector, which is really nice. It's it's a really clever way that they've done it. it you know, it's, it, I think it's really, it's, it's really smart because it allows yeah. you to, to have both vehicle types of the Tesla and then everything else charged on that station. But it doesn't require you to like, oh, I have to get an adapter out or that, you know, you got to unlock an adapter and shove it in and do this other thing. You just like click, click, which yeah. is, again, Tesla's killer app is the charging network. Right. The one downside to all of this that both uh, Marquez and Tom found is that, um, you know, all Tesla vehicles have their charge port on the left rear corner of the car. So you can back into the bay and, you know, pull up to the charger and, you plug it in. And so the charge cords on the superchargers are relatively short compared to most other charging stations um, because they're designed to, to fit every vehicle with that charge port on the corner uh, right by the taillight or under underneath the taillight. And when um, Marquez did it with, um, with the Rivian, the Rivian charge port is on the uh, left front, front left. corner. Yeah. Front left corner. Um, so because that, you know, when you pull up to the charger, it's now on the opposite side from where it would be if you backed in a Tesla. He had to park in the spot, actually not the spot for that charger. He right. He's, the one next to it. Yeah. Which, you know, they're going to have to figure, you know, there's going to have to be some negotiating going on. I think, you know, at, especially at busy supercharger stations, you know, about who's using which, which cable. Yeah. Yeah. And then, you know, when Tom arrived with the lightning, Ugh. the, the lightning port is on the, the front fender. It's farther. Uh, back it's farther behind the, yeah. Behind yeah. the front wheels, you know, closer to the door. And so, you know, he tried to pull up and, you know, Marquez had to guide him, you know, to get like within like an inch of the Tesla pedestal. And he just barely got the cable on there. It was kind of stretched. So not stretched. ideal. 
Yeah, it was stretched um, a lot, and he yeah. was right up against that. I was just kind of like. And then uh, the doors, the little, the little flaps right there. So it's kind of going around the flaps. Right. You're always yeah. like, what if like is it going to break the flap? The flap should flap up. You know, I mean, the flap going. It, there should be standardized flaps, and it should be. An, I, you know, this is going to be my new thing to to, to be complain about is not having standardized um, placement. I did a whole rant about this like a year and a half ago. I'm like, they should be either in the, they should just all be in the front. They should be easy to get to, and they shouldn't be fancy. Because if they're, people back You don't want in, those powered like, doors like the Lucid or the, no, the Tycon or the. No, I don't want any of that. I just want it like uh, on, our, on our Kona. It's... On our Kona, it's in the front, and then it just pops open. It's a little door. You, hit, you put it like you do a gas thing, you hit yeah. it, it pops open, and you just plug it in the end. So the designers are looking for something that's a point of distinction, you know, and it, it is kind of cool when you see it and it, it looks different, but then when you're actually trying to use it on a daily or, you know, every other day basis and you're having to negotiate with the, with the chargers, it's a pain in the butt. Yeah. So, you know, you're gonna have to give up some design for pra practicality. It's just the way it is. I talked to Miles. I just, I just written the article and I was talking to Miles and I was driving the EV, no, the Ionic 5, like the first time I had driven the Ionic 5. I'm like, I just did this whole rant about how the chargers be in front. And he's like, I'm like, well, he's like, chargers in the back. <laughs> charge points <laughs> in the back in this car. I'm like, see, they got to back it in. Gotta, it's, it's, and like so many charge points or charging stations are at like Walgreens where it's like, you know, you're, you're pulling at a 45 degree angle. So now you're like doing this whole thing where you're backing into it. I'm just like, stop it. Just put it in the front. It's going to make people not want to buy EVs. You know, they're going to hear it or see it and they're going to say, I don't want to deal with that. Forget it. I'm just, keep, you know, I'm going to keep buying ICEs as long as I possibly can. So, yeah. Well, it'd be, it'd be interesting to see if, you know, like right now, there's only about a dozen supercharger stations that are open that have the magic dock. And the closest actually, one from Detroit is Indianapolis. I've already yeah. signed up. <laughs> I know I did too. I, I downloaded the, and the I'm app. like ready to go. It's like the minute I, I'm test driving an EV, I'm going to be there. So. Well, it's it's funny because when they when they open it up in Europe, I was in Europe, and I could not find it on the app. The app was just a train wreck. They hadn't updated it in a little while and just didn't work. And so, uh, they finally updated it. So the the closest ones are near on the way near Sacramento, and uh, near Santa Cruz. So there's nothing in like the Bay Area proper. That's crazy. And, and, and I think it's because the Bay Area proper is just like EV land anyway. So they're like, we don't want to overload these. So I like today I'm going to, I'm probably going to Sacramento to try it out in the uh, IX M60. So we'll see, because it's got the rear things. So I'm going to have to back it in and then see if. <laughs> if I were a Tesla owner, if I were a Tesla owner, I would be, I'd be a little annoyed because you're giving up your exclusivity. I mean, it's like that's part of the you know appeal is you've got your own charging network and i you know i know maybe they get they'll the ones who want to save the planet will be cool with it but it's like you know if you're a delta person sky and you go, to, you go to the sky club it's like you don't want people just walking into the sky club <laughs> from the concourse yeah, we don't want the riffraff <laughs> in, here. Yeah. in so, here so 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 i uh, five years ago and i spoke with I can't say who, but I spoke with somebody and we talked about, I talked about how Tesla should open up his charging network. And I got all the information. I'm like, this is what they need to do. This is how it works. This is how it could benefit them. It's also money for them. And I got so much hate mail for it. But, but I go to charging stations all the time that are non-Tesla and there are Teslas there all the time. So yeah. there's, I'm just like, eh, there's there, one charging both. station. Yeah. There's, there's a free oh Rivian charging. There's a free Rivian charging station in, uh, 
uh, Stinson Beach. They just have it there at the beach, and there's always a Tesla parked there. <laughs> so just getting a free charge at the Rivian charging station, Tesla. So I'm surprised. I thought Rivian. I thought Rivian's charging stations were going to be exclusive, even though they're CCS. Nah, you can just. I thought they were going to be exclusive to Rivian. Nah, they're it's free. You can just charge. They're like this okay. is. I took a picture of it. It was. They're branded. I mean, they say Rivian. Yeah. So if you don't yeah. know, you might think right. that it's, it, you can only be. Yeah, but anybody can use it. Okay. Yeah. Because, uh, yeah, when they first announced it, they did say it was going to be exclusive, but I guess they changed their mind, maybe. Um, but, yeah, there and, you know, my, the EA station down the road from me here, um, I used to see Teslas there regularly. But uh, now that there's a, a supercharger station open a half mile down the road, it's like there's no more Teslas at the Rivian. But I have I did see another VinFast there yesterday, a different one from the one I saw last week. Oh, so, oh, I saw two BZ4Xs. Oh yeah. One of one of them was wrapped, so it like it was like a like some sort of fleet vehicle, but the other one was just someone who just bought one. It wasn't it had the new like mm. the new license plate. It wasn't a it wasn't a dealer car, it wasn't a, a manufacturer car, it wasn't a it wasn't Antoine driving around. He's the only <laughs> other journal like it wasn't I, Antoine or Jason Camisa like driving around in it. It's like us three are the last three in, in the Bay Area. <laughs> I, I, have, I've, I haven't seen one yet on the road anywhere in the wild. Have, have you seen one around here, Tanya? No, not in Michigan. No. Yeah. I, I'm pretty sure they haven't had any in the fleet here or or uh, even you know any that have been sold here yet. So um all right. So I think you know the thing that's gonna be interesting to watch over the next several months is you know, and I think we talked about this before Tesla, you know, up until now has had, they've only had to deal with their four vehicles, their four models that they sell, which all have the same basic software in them and, you know, making sure that the vehicles communicate properly with the charger and everything. It was easy. It's just like, you know, with Apple, you know, Apple controls their whole ecosystem. So they know, you know, they have only their hardware to deal with. They don't have, you know, the thousands of different hardware combinations that you can get in windows or an Android uh, that you have to deal with. And so I'll be curious to see how reliable the the system stays as more non-Tesla owners use superchargers. If they start having communications issues, you know, or incompatibilities with the superchargers um, hopefully they, you know, they stay on top of that and make sure that it works correctly, but um, we'll see. There's a lot of really smart people at Tesla. The, the engineers that I've talked to there is just, just like outside of Elon being an insane person. Uh, the people who work there are, are really smart and really dedicated to, to, again, that's, you know, when people are like, oh, you hate Tesla. I'm like, hold on. <laughs> <laughs> like, no, I have I actually have friends who work at Tesla. I do not want Tesla to go away. I just want an adult to run it. Yeah. Well, uh, yeah. I mean, it's going to be interesting to see how quickly they roll it out and which markets they select. You know, yeah. like, and, and just how what happens at the at the actual stations when like what happened in upstate New York when the non Teslas and the and the Teslas are sort of vying for the same space with the same tiny little short cord. It's gonna be like the what is the 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 jets and the what giants? The oh no! Oh oh oh! oh, uh, oh, oh the, West Side Story? Yeah, West yeah. Side, yeah. I don't know. Parks? No, I don't know the jets and the other people <laughs> the other gang <laughs> uh all right um and one more uh ford um this week announced that they were creating a new company uh called latitude ai um and basically this is a company that's going to be developing their hands-free driving systems not fully automated not you know so 
this is sort of kind of a successor to Argo. Um, you know, when they announced that Argo was shutting down last fall, they said, yeah, we're going to, and we're going to hire a bunch of engineers from Argo and you know, we're going to focus on doing uh, level two plus and level three systems for consumer vehicles uh, for the, for the foreseeable future. And, you know, we'll probably come back to robo taxis at some point in the future when we figure out how to do that profitably. But in the meantime, we're, we're going to do systems that we can sell today. And uh, that will be the responsibility of Latitude AI. Um, and Latitude um, is going to be based in Pittsburgh. It's a wholly owned subsidiary of Ford Motor Company. So like Scout, it's a, it's a separate company, but, um, but owned by the, by the mothership. Um, and it has about 550 employees, almost all of whom were hired over from uh, Argo. Uh, you know, experts in robotics and machine learning and mapping systems and um, cloud services and all kinds of other stuff. And this is the team that's going to be developing all the driver assist systems for Ford going forward. Um, and yeah, it's interesting that they set it up as a separate company. Yeah, and I talked to somebody from from Latitude uh, on Friday, and. She told me, you know, they did this because they wanted to maintain, you know, kind of that startup environment, you know, rather than just rolling this team into the Ford corporate structure. They wanted to retain that fast moving startup um, culture. Um, she wouldn't acknowledge, you know, if there were any plans, you know, at some point in the future for maybe an IPO or, it, you know, wouldn't say if they're going to do any kind of stock-based compensation for the employees, uh, which, of course, they did at Argo. Um, or even, you know, if at some point in the future, Latitude AI would offer its systems to other automakers, uh, all of which I think are distinct possibilities. But we'll just have to wait and see how that plays out over time. Any thoughts on that? I mean, it's the same, like, we're all going to have self-driving cars. You know, they all had a ride about five years ago and like four years ago, we're all like, I don't think this is going to happen. <laughs> and then three years ago, all the automakers like, you're right. <laughs> I just can't figure out why they're changing directions like they did. It just seems like they were on their way and then they backed off and now they're doing it. It's, you know, there must be a control thing going on. No, it's, yeah. it's more about the, the larger business at Ford. Um, you know, they've committed to spending $50 billion on electrification and they've come to the, they came to the realization a couple of years ago that um, while, you know, they were moving along nicely, you know, and developing the automated driving systems at Argo, and, you know, but before they announced the shutdown, you know, Argo was even doing, you know, driverless testing on the road, you know, no, no safety drivers. Um, and they were running vehicles on Lyft in Miami and Austin carrying passengers. They, they realized that they, they were so that the, all these services were so far away from profitability, you know, probably late in the decade at the earliest that they were going to be, they would have to continue to invest billions more in this. And, you know, when you've got something that is a nice to have in the near term versus something you have to do, which is electrification, you've only got so many dollars to spend on it. You're going to spend them on the electrification and pull the plug on the, on the automated driving stuff and, you know, focus on use, use the things you learned from that, which is why they hired, you know, almost 600 engineers from Argo and brought them into what is now Latitude 
um, they, um, you know, use that knowledge that they built up to make better um, hands-free and, and eyes off systems uh, for, you know, for the next several years that you can sell profitably. And then at some point, you know, you come back to, you know, when you figure out what the business model is for robo taxis, you know, then, then you come back to that in the future. Well, VW was also funding Argo. I mean, they weren't, it wasn't just Ford. So, right. But, but, you know, they, um, you know, with Ford, both VW and Ford own the same share of Argo and with Ford, not willing to put more money in um, VW decided that, okay, instead of funding this on our own, we're going to go work with Mobileye instead, which is what they're doing in Europe now. So Mobileye has taken over the VW program for Europe. And then they've got a different partner in China. All right. Last one um, is uh, some of the strangest car features. This is a YouTube video that uh, that somebody posted on uh, Mastodon in the, uh, uh, on the wheel bearing on wheel bearings uh, channel on there. And uh, there's, there's a bunch of, um, interesting features on here you know i don't know if either of you have ever experienced any of these um things like the hearst lightning rod um shifter i remember when this came out in the mid early 1980s um on the uh the old cutlass supreme they did uh a, a limited edition uh hearst olds you know to celebrate you know anniversary of the original hearst olds of the late 60s um and this thing had Three shift levers. <laughs> Not sure why, but you know, one was for the one-two shift, one was for the two-three shift, and then the third was for uh, for the to select overdrive. And you know, it was the main park reverse neutral drive uh, shifter. Um, it, it, do you guys have a chance to look at this video or any of this? I, stuff I haven't had there? a chance to see the video. Yeah, I haven't looked at it either, unfortunately. Um, okay, I don't. Did, have have either of you ever experienced motorized seatbelts? Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. Are they were in the door and then they're like, that was a bad yeah. scene for a while where like seatbelts were attached to doors and then some of them were attached to doors and also and also have, were motorized. And like, this is just a bad, this is a bad, yeah. Yeah. So this, you know, started in the late 90s when uh, NHTSA mandated passive restraint systems. And so, you know, there were, you know, you either had to have some sort of automatic seatbelt or uh, um, airbags and airbags were still much more expensive and not as reliable in those days. And uh, so, you know, a bunch of automakers came up with this cheaper solution with motorized seatbelts where the, the seat, the, the shoulder belt was attached to a thing on the A pillar that once you closed the door, it would run around the window and then, you know, go over your shoulder to cinch you in. But then you had to manually put on the lap belt, which was just ridiculous. Yeah. And my my dad had a, um, a 1990 or 89 Pontiac Grand Prix that had the, uh, the seatbelts mounted on the doors. Um, so what you were supposed to do was just leave them buckled up. And then when you... When you get in the car, you slide under the belts, which was always kind of awkward. It was just dumb. Yeah. <laughs> and then the motorized ones the whole time, I was like, these feel like they're going to fail. 
And because it like as the years progressed, like, like originally it was like, and then two years in, it's like, because you're opening and closing and opening and closing and opening yeah. and closing, especially the driver's side door. That's the main thing you're doing, getting in and out of the car. And so you're just like wearing down this little motor that's supposed to keep you safe. <laughs> and, and you inevitably get crud in the track there and yeah, things like no. that. Um, it was a bad a, scene. <laughs> what about, uh, um, do you remember when um, Jaguar introduced the, um, the the levitating shift rotary shift knob on the XF in like 2008 or so uh, when they when they launched the XF? No, that sounds just another like so, another. So today idea. there's a bunch of cars that have rotary shifters. Um, you know, that's not uncommon, but they're all they, they all stay there. You know, so they're they, there's they're static. You just twist them. When Jaguar, Jaguar was the first to introduce these, but what it did was when you turned the car off, it would drop down. So it would be flush. You'd have this nice flush surface with the, with the center console. And when you started the car, it would lift up and then, then you twist it to put it into drive or reverse. Um, I remember, I mean, you know, the, the, the thing with British cars was always, you know, electrical systems failing. Mm -hmm. And, it's so damp over there. Everything just shorts out. That's my that's yeah. my excuse for British cars. <laughs> it's just damp. So, so you're, yeah, you introduce a new Jaguar. You're trying to demonstrate to the world you've got higher quality now. So what do you do? You add these electrical things that seem like they're bound to fail at some point in time. You know, they had the, they had the rising shifter, and on the XF they also had the vents that flipped over. So when the car was off, you know, you you had like a nice clean surface there, no vents. And then when you started it, they would flip over uh, to open up, you know, for, you know, kind of, kind of like some of the old headlights. Oh, I was uh, just going to say that I had a firebird where the headlights would come up, you know, yeah. they were electric and Turn they would, the it was, cool. it was yeah. like a party trick, you know, it's like, Oh, then, but then what happened was one of them would flip up and the other one. So just driving around with a, <laughs> with a constant wink, like a pirate, like get a little, put a patch over it. Yeah. That didn't happen to my car. Thankfully. Eventually it did. It's gone oh. now. I Someone else it. has it. It's like, <laughs> <laughs> what about, uh, do you remember the Subaru Brat? I love the with Subaru the Brat. Yeah. yeah, with the little <laughs> handles. <laughs> Just held on to the little handles. Like, this is safe. Woo! Pla plastic molded seats and, and the handles and no seat belts, but you had handles to hang on to. You know what? As a what kid, go wrong? That same, that's, you know, in the 80s, we just sat in the back. We didn't even have seats or handles. We sat on the, 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 oh, yeah. Will well just that that the bouncing just barely staying in the back of a truck. Car seats when I was a child. It's like it's yeah. a miracle we're all alive. Yeah. Well, if you're talking about cars with party tricks, the GV60 has the the crystal ball that's right. over and and you know it's beautiful, but is it gonna break eventually? I mean, I don't know. Maybe not. Hopefully not. Probably like, look not. at this cool thing. Uh well, manufacturing's gotten so much better now that you're like, all there's right, no Lucas electrical right. system there. So I guess this will be okay. But also, I just want to, you know, back to the whole EV charging port door. I just wanted to push I it know. and it pops open. That's all yeah. I want. Or, you know, it just locks in the car, locks, unlocks in the car, unlocks. What about, what about door handles now? All the EVs are, you know. No, I just want a door. Handles. I want a mechanical door like handle. I don't want really? to flush. I don't want them popping out. I don't I want any of that stuff that's going to break because what's going to happen when there's a fire? <laughs> And that thing fails, and then they're like, okay. "We can't get you out of your well, car." Right. We can't, or, or when you have an ice storm, you can't That's get true. into the car. 
Yeah, That's when the car's thing. encased yeah. in ice, you can't. Those things can't pop out. Mechanical right. doors, just that. click. Just. Eh, yeah, I mean, I, I had I had the Ionic Five uh, Christmas when we got a snowstorm. You know, and you know it was it was all packed in with snow and ice. You know, it was very windy and it all got packed in there. Trying to get the doors open. You know, I'm trying to chisel away the the ice on there to get those get the door handle open. It was ridiculous. That's and a then, problem. And and then okay. and then when I got in the car. You know, it wouldn't retract properly. You know, so I had, had ice. And, you know, I had to mess around with it to get it to actually be able to go in and out properly, so it would yeah. actually latch the door. That's a shame because I think stylistically they're they're lovely. I mean, they look, yeah, think, they look nice. And I think but walking up also, to the car and having it open, you know, the door pop out to meet you is kind of a cool thing. Yeah, it's cool until it's not. Until it doesn't. <laughs> yeah, I just want mechanical door. Just a little, yeah. doot, doot, little just reach under. Yeah. So, I mean, all, all this kind of uh, finally leads into the one uh, listener question we had this week is which which new vehicle features or trends do you dislike the most? Uh, this is from Adam J on Mastodon. Uh, mine is subscriptions for functions. I can imagine buying I can't imagine buying a fridge and then having to pay a monthly fee for the ice maker. Um, so what what features do you what, what annoys you the most on new cars? Too much, too much gadgetry, like the, the lyric, you know, trying to get into the glove box through the, through this touch screen is just clever really... for the sake of being clever. It's yeah. really, I think the, the, the ID four has a bunch of that where you're just like, no, I don't no, Don't make me push another button to roll down the rear windows. You didn't save any money because right. now you have a button instead of like two little like mechanical things. Just stop trying to be clever for the sake of being clever because it's an EV. To explain that to people who haven't driven an ID four, I, the first time I drove one, I'm like, why you know it's like so, so you've got the two uh window openers and then in order to do the front ones you have to twist a button and you know the button twists the other way to go do the rear ones and it's just stupid no. it's dumb the the, the first when i when I, I got the model three when it first came out before it was being delivered and i was driving around and people get in the car and you, there's a button like button to open the door as opposed to pulling the lever and i remember when the the tesla people dropped it off they were like okay so there's a mechanical thing down here, but don't use that because you'll wear it out. Use the button instead. But everyone would find the mechanical thing and open the door. And I'm like, well, that's not how you're supposed to open a door. But also, that's really how you're supposed to open a door. Yeah. <laughs> right. Like, settle down. I mean, the high-end luxury vehicles, if you're going to have, like, the automatic door. I, I mean, I don't, I don't like automatic doors outside of, like, you know, a suicide door and a Rolls Royce where you just can't reach it. Um, but the rest of it, just settle down. Settle down. <laughs> For, for me, it's just too many touch controls. Touch controls everywhere. Just, just yeah, just give us some knobs. Give us some actual physical like, things. I push and then it moves and I feel it with my finger. Just stop being clever for the sake of being clever. How how about the the um the dying of AM radio being available on cars? I I know I've I've heard yeah. other. I don't care personally because <laughs> I can use. Is there like sports radio or something? I don't know. I don't. I just listen to. I've been listening to. I haven't listened really to the radio in a very long time since the iPod came out. Cause then I'm like, Oh, here's a little thing. And I just plugged in my iPod and hit shuffle. And then, and that was the end of it. And, and that was the end of radio for me, to be honest. I'm sorry, radio. Yeah. I got, I got yelled at once cause I wrote an article about how uh, radio was dying and I had a bunch well, of people. If you, if you listen to sports, about it. if you listen, yeah, if you listen to sports, sports and I'm like, okay. You, yeah. So, and, and I, there's apps for that. I mean, I go to simple radio and I can listen to any AM or FM station in the country. So if the car doesn't have AM radio, it doesn't really matter. Yeah, your phone has the, 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 the downside there is, you know, if you're in rural areas, you know, 
Uh, a lot of times have... there's a lot of cellular dead spots and you can't yeah. get cellular data and you can't stream stuff. Okay. Um, so that that is a problem. You know, I mean, there is satellite radio, you know, so if you live, you know, somewhere more rural, you know, there there's serious XM as, as an option. As long uh, as you don't drive under trees. Yeah. <laughs> True. Serious XM cracks me up. I'm like, oh, I'm driving through a tunnel or through some trees and it's all gone. I'm like, why are people paying for this? Yeah. <laughs> Exactly. So I mean, all these things have their downsides. But yeah, I mean, I, I haven't listened to radio in many, 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 many years. Um, if so. you're a radio DJ and I have, a, I have friends who are radio DJs, I'm sorry. Yeah. <laughs> There's still people listening to them. There's yeah. still, it's just not me. I like public radio. I mean, I listen. Well, you know what? We, we listen to NPR radio. all the time. That's, yeah. the, that's, we get in. That's actually, that's, you're right. That's, I, and I kind of like don't even think about that as radio because it's mostly just news and things. It's like a long podcast, I think. Well, you can listen to like, <laughs> I listen to Detroit public radio, the, the, but you, some of my friends who are from New York, you can listen to New York public radio because of the apps, but yeah. it's still radio. Yeah, I actually I lied. I do listen to radio. I listen to NPR because my wife listens to it when she drives around. And I try to Good. I'm glad. Like, no. I'm glad you're not not listening to to radio because that was a little sad for a minute there. Yeah, I do listen to radio. Just not to I, my brain. Radio is like, oh, I'm listening to the radio for music. I don't do that anymore. I guess <laughs> I just listen to NPR. I'm I'm I am a stereotypical Bay Area person. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well. Um... We, I also have um, an interview that I did with Chris Fuel, the head of the Chrysler brand during the Chicago Auto Show, uh, getting to the end of the, the interviews I recorded there. And I will tack that on here at the end. But before we go, I want to say thank you, Tanya, for joining us today um, and uh, sitting in with us. And hopefully you'll be able to do it again sometime. Yeah, yeah sure. It's good time. It's fun. It's great. I'm glad that we right. hate the same things. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, all right and we'll talk to you all again next week bye bye hi so chris um when when we first spoke last year it was uh right around the time that Chrysler was uh revealing the airflow concept uh, at ces and um at, at the time uh we spoke about uh, Chrysler expanding its product line after, and right now all you have is the Pacifica and the 300. 300's going away. Um, how, how has the Chrysler plan progressed over the past 12 months? Oh, it's progressed fantastically. So we, we revealed the airflow concept, which is really intended to showcase the direction that Chrysler's going in in the future full battery electric portfolio by 2028, um, the, the lead adopter of a lot of the Stellantis advanced technology, brain, smart cockpit, and auto drive autonomous driving technology. I think the key is packaging all of that in a very seamless experience for the customer that's in, intuitive, easy to use, and helps make their mobility experience that much better than, than before. Uh, we followed that up with this year's CES and showcasing the synthesis cockpit. Right. And that's that, a look at the Stella cockpit. The, that, that's that's the right, the smart cockpit. And, and the, the demonstrator that we had at CES did not include the Foxconn oh, okay. um, technology. It was our own 
development okay. that was exclusively by Stellantis. But we wanted to show how that technology could be used in a real day-in-the-life example. Um, one of the biggest concerns or barriers that customers have with considering these kinds of vehicles is the intimidation around how useful the technology really is. You know, they get excited when they see these ads for um, very advanced technology, but then when they get into a vehicle, they don't understand how to use it. And, and so, you know, the, the detail around a very simple um, user experience, features that link their mobile functionality with their vehicle mobility functionality, such as syncing calendars and informing smart route planning based on what your calendar is and where you need to be at any given time, monitoring your state of charge and knowing exactly when it's a good idea for you to charge and proactively suggesting charging stations in a given area that you could reserve. And oh, by the way, these five are available, but only two are working right now, <laughs> which is, a, you know, a, a big support for those customers. Um, and then the ability to sync the vehicle technology with the technology at home, too. So reminding you that your garage door isn't closed, would you like me to close it? When you're on your way home, would you like me to turn the oven on for you so that you can prepare dinner when you get home? Would you like me to order that DoorDash so that it's ready for you so in time? It's, it's, it's trying to um, understand the context of your life. That's right. And trying to be proactive and, and use some of what it knows about your habits and behavior. That's right. To, to do things for to, you. To, to make it seamless, to help save you time. Um, because time is probably one of the most precious commodities that people have these days. So um, you said that the, the technology and the synthesis concept was all developed internally uh, within, within the Stellantis organization. Uh, it sounds like you're using a lot of uh, AI in there. So is that, yes. uh, is that utilizing uh, things being developed um, uh, under the team led by... Uh, to, uh, yes. Uh, yeah, okay. yeah, yeah, yes. 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 Yeah. Um, it, it, it is. And then, you know, you you mentioned the partnership with Foxconn, and we also have a partnership with Amazon and the Alexa um, platform. And we always want to be able to have the very best applications and features and user experiences. So we partner with some of those other companies to help bring that to life for the customer. So the the things that we see in that synthesis concept. Um, is that going to appear um, as something standalone before the, the Stella Cockpit Foxconn um, platform arrives, or is that something that's going to be rolled into what you're doing with the team at Foxconn? It, it'll it'll be it'll be rolled in. Okay. Um, so we we had a, a unique opportunity at this year's CES to really build a demonstrator around a specific use case. And it just so happened that the Stellantis specifically developed um, user interface was the best platform to use for that demonstrator. Okay. But what gets incorporated into the new product um, will be a broader application of that. Okay. Um, you, you, you mentioned um, you know, uh, experiences around charging and you know, with, with the brand 
shifting to all electric. Uh, you know, certainly for Chrysler customers, that's going to be something new. Uh, you know, hopefully, also gaining some new customers along the way as part of that transition. Right. But you know, today, you know, the vast majority of people out there have never experienced life with an EV. You know, it's a you know, far less than one percent of the total vehicle population is EVs, and there are there are challenges associated with it um, today. And uh, I'm curious, you know, what um, Chrysler is a brand, you know, or maybe Stellantis more broadly, is looking at, you know, how to how to improve that experience for uh, customers, you know, as far as knowing when to charge, where to charge. Um, to uh, you know, I think as you mentioned, you know, as part of what you're doing synthesis, um, you know, part of it is understanding when when to charge, you know, so that because you know, charging is not constant through the rate of a, a charge uh, event, uh, you know, and you know, maybe as incorporating into your navigation, you know, when to charge to have the minimum trip time. You know. Right. Uh, so, are those are those the sorts of things that, that the team is working on? Yeah, they they absolutely are, um, and and that's where the the AI and the technology with within the vehicle can help provide those proactive alerts and those teachable moments for the customers so that they also become better informed about the right time to charge and removing some of those pain points or those anxiety points they have around range as as well. Um, one One of the things that we're doing differently, and it's really starting with the Pacifica plug in um, hybrid electric vehicle is training our, our dealership employees to be better informed on the technology so that when they're selling the product and delivering the product, they're providing a much more comprehensive overview for the customer to explain the difference between a PHEV and an ICE and a BEV to explain the proper way to charge the vehicle and the differences between a level one and a level two charger. And we want to be able to sell the customer a level two charger with the vehicle because it just makes the experience so much better than if they're just plugging it into a standard outlet at home. Yeah, and uh, yeah, the, the, four, the four main Stellantis brand, North American brands, um, I don't think... I don't think there's any standalone dealerships for any of the brands. They're all not not for the most part. So, We've got about 2,400 dealers. Yeah, that so I, I assume you're you're working with your counterparts at the other brands to develop the strategy for training the dealers and educating the dealers. Yeah, that that that's right. Um, and then we Pacifica has the plug-in hybrid technology. Jeep has the four by e technology obviously the way the brands are positioned are very different and the customers are pretty different from from one another so that's where you know we we have to partner very closely with the dealers and make sure that the training content is understandable and useful so that they know when a Pacifica customer is coming in a lot of times they're better informed than the dealership representatives about the minivan product, the plug-in hybrid technology, and 
were looking and have very successfully over the last year rolled out more of a certification sort of process. So we improve that experience with the customer and we make sure that the pre-delivery and delivery process covers a very prescriptive set of steps so that they don't miss anything. I'm curious, do you have any data from specific plug-in uh, owners about you know, what their charging habits are, you know, how, what, what percentage of owners plug in daily versus occasionally versus never? Yeah, yeah, we, we, we have. We did some research in the fourth quarter of last year and roughly 75% of the PHEV owners plug in every day. Oh, okay, that's great. Now, um, probably a third routinely plug in overnight. Um, others plug in as soon as they finish their trip. Yeah. <laughs> and they, I mean, it's a pride point for them because during the COVID period and when gas prices were spiking, Many of them were bragging about the fact that they hadn't stopped at a gas station in two months. Yeah, well, you know, the, you know with 32, 33 miles of electric range, you know, that will meet, you know, 75, 80% of drivers' daily right. driving needs. That's you know, right. You can, you can drive that thing on electricity, you know, and, you know, given the type of vehicle that is in this case, most it, people, if you plug it in daily, you're almost never going to need to use any gas. That's right. And then, Unless you take trip, a road trip. Yeah, you know, when it's time for a road trip to the grandparents or a vacation trip or whatever, you know, then you just keep driving it like a, like a hybrid. You know? Right, so exactly. Brain dead easy. Um, you know, I think going forward, as you start to launch BEVs, you know, with, with, with BEVs it gets more complicated because of you know, the, rate of, the rate at which it's going to charge is going to be different if you're charging from 10% versus 15 or 60%. And... You know, depending on what the temperature is and all these other factors, it gets really messy. Um, are, are you working on some sort of strategy for the dealers to really help them understand um, that what what the challenges are there, so that they can make sure their customers? Understand? Yeah, and we're we're actually developing content on a parallel path so that we're educating not only the dealers but we're educating customers as part of the shopping process. We don't want to wait until they buy a vehicle and take delivery for them to learn how to use it and make the most out of it. And it's it's something that became really apparent when we launched this process called Project Ingenuity. We've recruited Three to 400 customers that represent the future target customers that we're going after with the new BEV products to get input and insights from them. And one of the things they said was most of their information about what they want to buy in the future comes from online research. They're not calling the dealer to ask. Um, we would love the dealer to be, you know, a, a primary source of information, but the fact of the matter is they're more of a secondary source of information. And so we have to meet the customers where they are and give them the information they need. You know, the three primary anxiety points in flipping that switch from ICE to BEV is range, charging accessibility, and price. Right. 
And and so we have to crack the code and demystify some of those pain points and show them how um, not only that it can be overcome with the various solutions that we're going to be offering, but also kind of help the customers to assess their own day-to-day use cases so that they can make the best decision for them on, well, first and foremost, whether a Bev is a good fit for their lifestyle, because it's not for some. Sure. Um, but, but if it is, there are differences in the types of vehicles that are in the market today, and we want to help them to make the best choice for them. And, you know, of course, one of the other challenges around BEVs today, uh, the charging, public charging in particular, is reliability of the, the charging infrastructure. And is Delantis developing some sort of strategy for how to address that, you know, uh, whether it's working with charging network providers to ensure, you know, wherever possible that they have data um, about you know, what customers have, an incomplete charging experience, uh, you know, so that the charging yeah. provider knows, or, or you know, what, I guess what what of any you know is, thing is is doing. Yeah, a- absolutely. I I would say that we're taking a, a bit of a three pronged approach, and one is partnering with existing and up and coming providers so that we can offer our customers with the most reliable and expansive network possible to support their charging needs. Um, Second is supporting and investing in our dealer network so that they can become um, a a charging resource for customers as well. And then third, giving our customers the option and opportunity to upgrade their home environment with level two charging capabilities. Many have already made that investment, but there are a lot of people who haven't. And the value of the Level 2 experience versus a standard outlet experience is significantly uh, yeah, no, I, I, better. Yeah, I know. I had one installed last year, and it makes a huge difference. Yeah. And, and you know, to upgrade the home, we want to provide both the charger and the installation okay. as, as well. All right. Great. Um Anything else about what Chrysler, the Chrysler brand, is doing that uh, you're thinking about? Yeah, um, I mean, you saw the the airflow before, um, and and so that's really the springboard for revitalizing the brand. But um, we've also got the 300 that is sunsetting at the end of the year, and the 300C that we're celebrating, kind of the last call. Yeah. Um, for the product, so we're excited about that limited edition, honoring both the brand as well as the enthusiasts who have been so loyal to the 300. Um, and the Pacifica continues to be our, our flagship. Um, the PHAV not only qualifies for the full IRA tax incentive, but it also has been attracting a, a different buyer and demographic to the brand. You know, one that's younger, more tech-savvy, higher income and education level, and more diverse. So they're truly representative of that buyer that we're looking to attract with our battery electric products. So we have to start that dialogue around the brand transformation now, and the Pacifica PHAV is a really good representative of that electrification journey 
and will be that bridge to the future Bev products that we launched starting in 25. What, uh, do you know roughly what percentage of Pacifica's sold today or plugins? Well, la last year we had some supply chain constraints and the mix of plugins was, was just under 20%. Um, this year we're targeting closer to 25%. And if we can get the packs, that's, that's all even, even more. Um, the, the market is definitely there, and because it qualifies for the full tax incentive, it makes it a really attractive value for customers. All right, well, Chris, thank you very much for your time. Appreciate oh, you're welcome. Thanks. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun? Yeah, you get it every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. -ba -ba.